0: Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where 21st century educators come to share, learn, and be inspired. We believe in the growth mindset, creativity, communication, critical thinking, collaboration, and strategic uses of education technology. Our mission is to share news and views from teachers who are crushing it in the classroom and making a difference for learners everywhere. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's jump into today's episode. Today, I'm speaking with Dan Ryder. Dan describes himself as an improviser and a design thinker. He became an Apple Distinguished Educator in 2017 and is the co author of Intention Critical Creativity in the Classroom. He's currently the education director of the Success and Innovation Center at Mount Blue Campus in Farmington, Maine. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Are you ready to talk education? I'm always ready to talk education, Tim. That is great news. Why don't we start by setting up your current teaching and education situation?
1: All right. Well, uh, I currently uh, work at the same high school I've worked my entire career at Mount Blue High School in Farmington, Maine. It's a regional, rural campus. Uh, We serve 10 communities that, uh, all told, our buses every day drive the circumference of Rhode Island. Wow. Wow if you get a sense of just how big our, our district is, but we only have about, uh, 650 to 700 students. So, uh, we, we have a regional technology center integrated into our campus. So we pull students every other day from area high schools, as well as our own, uh, that come for uh, career and technical education courses. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fantastic place to, to live and work. And uh, I am currently, after having served as an English teacher for 20 years, I am now the education director of our new Success and Innovation Center.
0: Well, that's a very exciting pathway. And you're, what you're talking about there in, in terms of English and technology definitely resonates with uh, my favorite spaces. So look forward to hearing more. Dan, tell us about a low moment that you've faced in your teaching and education career and how you overcame it.
1: Um, well, the lowest the lowest point for me recently was the fact that I like to change things. I'm a huge fan of progressive ideas. Uh, I'm not always the the earliest adopter. But once I, I see something that I think is uh, doable, viable, and is going to make a uh, an important difference in the lives of students. Uh, I want to see it happen, especially when I don't see any legitimate barriers uh, for them to exist or things that can't be over overcome. Uh, and what kept happening was every idea I came up with, I'd it'd get almost to the, almost to launch. And then the kind of the rug would get pulled out from under me uh, last minute uh, because of other people's worries, but not not because the idea wasn't good; it was always well. We like this idea, but just not this year. And we like that, but but just there's just so much going on right now, and we we don't have time to to make that happen. But oh, it's such a good idea, and that would just drive me crazy, right? So the way I overcame it was persistence. <laughs> I wish I could be like I was so strategic about it, but it's really more like <laughs> just being stubborn and kind of taking advantage of any opportunity that I was given to sit at the table, uh, whatever wherever that table might be that could move the ball forward. And that's how the success and Innovation Center came to be, is I was given an opportunity to sit at the table of this research grant that we were offered and this chance to develop an angle for students to engage in multiple pathways towards demonstrating proficiencies and, and competencies. And we could design that system any way we wanted. And I thought, Oh, this could be good. Like we might be able to finally make some things happen. Uh, And it was going to cover enough money that it wasn't that that the money barrier was not going to be an issue anymore. Uh, Money and time were both going to go poof uh, because we would have both given to us. And uh, yeah, so so by kind of positioning myself To not make too many enemies, (laughs) to to not burn bridges, and to, you know, uh, when I get frustrated, I I didn't keep my frustrations uh, quiet, no, no, but I also didn't uh, undermine my ability to affect change later on, just because I was super frustrated in the moment, and then the moment after that, and the moment after that, and yet the moment after that.
0: That was articulated really well, Dan, and I think that's such a delicate balance, isn't it? When you're when you feel like you've got some progressive ideas, some initiatives that you'd like to introduce to bring about systemic change, yet uh, there are some delays above you, and you're right, it can be really tempting to sort of get hostile or gossipy or as you put it, burn bridges, but it's all about cultivating those relationships, continuing to build trust and and staying persistent. So that's great to hear that the Success and Innovation Center, as you mentioned, came to be after a little bit of a waiting period. Dan, what is it that is really exciting you about education today? And this could be a macro level idea, sort of a big picture in education, or might be something on the micro level that is happening in classrooms.
1: So my biggest excitement comes from every time I'm seeing classrooms, uh whole campuses, departments, grade levels, whomever it is, make the shift from school being a place where you learn information and acquire information to being a place where you learn to be a problem solver. Mm. And you know for a lot of folks now that's taking the look of adopting design thinking pedagogy the idea that we can frame our work inside of human centered empathy fueled problem solving rather than frame it in terms of let's make a thing to make a thing or let's do this big project that will last for the length of the project and then disappear into the ether or let's uh, have all these integrated units and that's fantastic but why are they integrated because integrated units are important but uh, okay so but why why are we integrating them? why are we breaking the silos because silo busting <laughs> like uh, hold on <laughs> can we could we just be a little more purpose driven just just a just a touch so i really i i my entire practice changed with with the adoption of design thinking as my preferred mindset and my, my uh, kind of mental frameworks and postures for approaching work with students and, and work with learning and seeing other teachers adopt those principles and uh, even whole campuses kind of lean in towards that type of, type of uh, experience for learning is just really exciting. And I I think it could be a, a huge shift in the narrative of, schools needing to be places where students find value and where the parents find value. And when you're kind of in the throes of being challenged to find funding for schools and to have, have uh, parents and community members believing that you have everyone's best interests in mind, uh, the more we can turn the, our learning places into places where we're actually addressing the needs of our communities. Uh, and the needs of our future, I think we're we're going to be better off.
0: That was very very well put. And man, you raised some some really good questions there around some of the some of the fads or the trends in education today. So I would imagine you unpack that a little bit further in your book. Is that right, Dan?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, we do. Uh, in in intention, uh, critical creativity in the classroom. What? we're advocating for is using more creative expression to demonstrate deep understanding one of our primary tenants in there is this idea of no more dumpster projects okay getting a, you know like a dumpster. so what's a dumpster project dumpster project is when you say hey make the lincoln memorial out of popsicle sticks and you make it out of popsicle sticks and you turn it in and you get the a because you made it out of popsicle sticks and then you take it and you throw it in the dumpster because what else are you going to do with it right um it happens so often. The question becomes, why make it out of Popsicle sticks? Why that creative constraint? How might we layer in more intention into the assessments and the ways in which we ask students to demonstrate their understanding to force them to think more deliberately about the ways in which they've chosen to demonstrate the understanding and how it might all work together? How might the medium help carry the message and impact the message and amplify the message rather than it simply being... You know, oh no, I I I painted this book cover. Great, why'd you paint the book cover? Because I painted a book cover. <laughs> so it's, it's that same <laughs> that same idea. Like does that does painting a book cover show what they know? And then you say, Why did you you know, why did you put the protagonist on the cover? And all they say is, Well, it describes them as being this and this and this, and that's what I painted. And you go, Okay. Um why did you choose to include the protagonist on the cover and not just do something abstract? Huh? <laughs> I'm like, ah, so you haven't actually thought about the reasons behind what you've made. You've simply tried to prove that you read the book and all you've done is prove that you skimmed it. Like you haven't right. really proven you know, your understanding because you're not being very intentional or deliberate about the things that you've done. And that's not to say there isn't a place for serendipity and and those little moments of gorgeous completely, but those really come much more frequently when you are thinking with intention more often, right? We can, it's it's like that idea of what luck is really just the synthesis of uh, preparation and hard work and opportunity, right? It's you can make your own luck. And that's the same way with when when people talk about, well, sometimes you don't know where the great art comes from. I'm like, oh, that's totally true. But if you want it to happen with frequency of any sort, you've got to think more deliberately, intentionally, so that your subconscious brain is doing all this cool work behind the scenes. And that's true for every single kid and every single adult. The more you, you do things on purpose, the more likely you are to discover Those sublime moments where you didn't mean to, but holy cow, that is really cool.
0: That is so rich, Dan. And you make me think of a blog post I read recently about, you know, asking the question, are our students just zombies going through the motions? But uh, yeah, what you're saying there, I got to say it hurts a little bit because uh, I've definitely done some dumpster projects with my students even this year. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to add intention to my summer reading list. And I really appreciate what I'm hearing right now. Well, you know, I, one of the reasons I can write it is because I've done it. Like,
1: like this is not, and the book is full of the horrible things I've done in my career. Uh, because if there's mistakes to have been made, I have made them all. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've handed out the worksheets. I've given assignments to put a few grades in the book. Uh, I've done, I've done all the terrible things. Uh, that you can do as an educator. I've I've done them all probably more than once. Uh, because I I'm not the fastest learner, <laughs> but but um but what I, what happened when I again it goes back to that design thinking piece. And once I adopted that those frameworks and and just started trying to be much more thoughtful and mindful in in my practice and my work, it started creating it, it created an environment where there are far fewer times when kids were asking me what's the point right and that's right. And, and that let me know I was on to something and that coupled with adopting proficiency based and standards based uh, practice uh, where where the grades are really coming from the demonstration of their understanding and not coming from whether or not they turned it in on time or how many points mm-hmm. xyz thing is worth and all this kind of arbitrary measures that we just toss around uh to finagle the math um it really pushed the conversation into into a much more authentic place of do you know this how have you demonstrated it and at the end of the day when you look at the report card does that number and that letter and those comments i put does that seem to reflect where you think you're at as well and it would be rare where a student would disagree with me and not because they're terrified of me, but perhaps more likely because we were uh, collaborating together towards that, that goal. And they understood along the way that the work we were doing had value and purpose. And even if they didn't do well on it, they knew it wasn't because there wasn't a reason for it. It was that for whatever other reason they chose to only take their learning to a certain Certain level, and that they had ownership over it.
0: Dan, share about a personal habit that contributes to your success. This doesn't have to be education related, but uh, whether it's small, big, weird, wonderful, we'd love to hear it. Uh, well, I'm like intellectually
1: curious. Like I'm, I'm a generalist by nature. I kind of like something about everything i i love to understand how things work and why they work i'm not like a big one for tinkering to figure it out i just kind of like knowing okay. so i I, mm-hmm. I i have been that way since i was a little kid i remember my family got a set of encyclopedias when i turned mm-hmm. i don't know six seven and and i would sit on the floor of our living room and read each volume as it arrived one at a time wow. like and just like read that sucker through and i can still smell that like world book encyclopedia glossy page smell and it had this like gold leaf uh, along the the edge and the whole thing had it's like brown and it was like this brown and tan uh color palette so it must have been you know this must have been like 82 83 something like that and uh yeah. i just i, I was consumed with military history and world history and, and uh, different cultures and, um, uh, art, all t- types of art. And I, so I, and I've been a pop culture nerd, uh, my entire life. And I'm always like, I, I, I love process. I love finding out how things came to be. Um, so what I, I think because of that, I may not know a lot about any one thing, but I know just enough to be dangerous <laughs> with a lot of things, right? right? And that yeah. that that allows me to be really uh, really fully present with students because I can sit down right. with a, a kid. You know, just last week I sat down with one kid and had a deep conversation with o- about Overwatch. And I sat down with another kid and had a deep conversation about NASCAR racing, and I sat down with another kid and had a deep conversation about fashion and I sat down with another kid and talked about vintage magazines. And it's just like, I I just like a lot of different things. Um, and it, it makes my job a lot easier to do, but also more exciting to do.
0: That is very cool. And that's something I strive for. I feel like I, I definitely don't have it at the level you have it to sit down and read through encyclopedias one volume after another. That's a Amazing. Oh well,
1: remember I was six and I lived in the woods, so I was, <laughs> I was, I was bored. Uh, we did this was pre-cable, uh, pre-internet, uh, very limited amount of time allowed on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yes, yes. So
0: you know, I had I had plenty of time. <laughs> I get it, I get it. Rapid fire recommendations now, Dan. First of all, tell us about an education leader that we need to be following on Twitter and explain why.
1: Okay, so my friend Ellen Deutscher, uh, she's L the letters L N, then D E U T S E H. Ellen Deutsch is what it says on there. But Ellen Deutscher is just this unbelievable force of design thinking. She's a dear, dear friend. Um, she's currently teaching in China for this semester, doing amazing work over there. Um, she lives in the Bay area and does all this great work uh, on the West coast, but really works all over the country. Um, her background is in like middle school and upper elementary school. And she got fifth graders doing Shakespeare and seventh graders designing MacGyver-esque Inventions and vice versa. She just she's does all this great stuff with kids. Uh, but she has so much to share and so much to offer the community. Uh, so I highly recommend following her and uh, engaging with her because she she knows a ton about what it means to um, to to teach with empathy, but also to to foster uh, a more empathetic and more innovative uh, culture for kids.
0: Phenomenal. I can't wait to follow her and pick up on some of that gold next Dan point us to an ed tech tool that you currently love using in your classroom or your day to day work Flipgrid. It
1: is. Oh, yeah, it is so cool, right? It's like it's not even like, it's not even like cutting edge anymore, because everybody's already using it. (laughs) But, But I love I love them. And I love that they're constantly iterating. And I love that every iteration seems to be better than the one before. And mm-hmm. I love how accessible they are as a company. Uh, how purely uh, supportive of educators that they are. Um, their mm-hmm. pay tiers are very affordable, which is stunning. Uh, mm-hmm. Full, uh, you know, full disclosure: I am an ambassador for them, which isn't a paid gig. It's just kind of a, I love your stuff, and yay! I get, I get like, <laughs> they, they let me know about things ahead of time, and I get to. And, and uh, they help me out with getting my college students and my high school students a little access uh, on trial basis to, to additional features, and it's cool. They're just they're really really good people, and uh, uh, Joey there and the rest of the team have just been remarkable since since they launched. And uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. I think it does what's supposed to do. It's supposed to do it well. And the other thing I love about them is they love their platform, but they realize that that in the world of education uh, access varies and reliability varies. And so they've done simple little things like if you can record your audio for it or record your video for it in any other app, in any other tool, as long as you have a, a, you know, pretty much a standard video file, you can upload it. And it doesn't Hmm. seem like a big deal to the, to, to some people, but for me, that was just the most moi moment. <laughs> I'm like, yes, they get it. So, uh, Flipgrid—that's the one to use.
0: Well, you've definitely got the fever. I've gotten into Flipgrid this uh, this year as well. And you know, one thing—I I work with eighth graders, Dan—and one thing I've noticed is sometimes at the outset, there's that little bit of reluctance about recording, you know, students recording their own face and, and their yeah. own voice. But I find with increasing reps, they sort of gain that comfort level. And, yep. and you know, I, I just tell them, look, I mean, we're all seeing the face we see all the time. It's it's just that personal discomfort. We all have it. We all sort of have that discomfort with hearing our own voice, but you, you just got to get past that. And then that's when the, the power really comes out. Is that what you found?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And And another one of those features they have where they, you know, at the free tier, it's just, it's a minute 30. So it's a nice, Mm -hmm. like, you don't, guys, you don't have to talk much, (laughs) you know, you can't say more than a minute 30, but I like that even on the, on the pay tier, it maxes out at five, you know, so the goal isn't recording long tracks, you know, it's, you can set it at 30 seconds and say, Hey, I, I, you, I only want you to talk for 30 seconds. Like that's it. Right. And I tell my kids too, look, you don't want to put your face on it? Fine. I need to hear your words. I need to hear your voice. So they aim it at their shoes. They aim it at what? I'm totally fine with that. It's that I want to hear their ideas. And then hopefully they'll get more comfortable putting their face with them.
0: Next, Dan, recommend a book, maybe one that you've been reading lately or one of your all-time faves, and let us know why you recommend it.
1: So the best book I've consumed lately is I listened to the audiobook of Little Fires Everywhere, by Celeste Ng, and holy cow! Like it's so nice when a popular piece of of you know somewhat literary fiction. It's not the most literary, but it's you know it's it's more literary than pop fiction, I think. And it, man, that's a good book. Like it's just it's about empathy. It's about uh, growing up in the late nine, uh, 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 kind of the mid nineties. Uh, so it was hitting some nice cultural touchstones uh yep. for me uh, i was like wow oh wow <laughs> this is ooh! this is this is getting real <laughs> um, uh but just it, it is a book a book that caught me caught me unawares i didn't i didn't really know much about it uh got it from my local library on audio and said ah oh, well let's give it a try it's got a I literally had a cool cover that drew me in and I was like, all right, let's, let's go. And, uh, I absolutely loved it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop listening.
0: That's a great plug. I look forward to checking that out and yeah, bringing back the nineties, always love a little bit of throwback to my high school days. Dan, if you're a podcast listener, point us to a podcast that helps the commute go by and, uh, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Uh, oh, I listen to a ton of podcasts. My favorite one right now is uh, Song Exploder. Uh, oh, okay. who and the, the host, I always mispronounce his name, so I'm going to spare everyone and not butcher it. But uh, his last name is, is Hirway. Uh, but it's Song Exploder. Y- you can find it. It's on. Uh, just look up Song Exploder. I think it's songexploder.net is the, the website. But what Song Exploder is, are interviews, they're, they're one-sided interviews with musical artists of a wide range, super diverse collection He's he's been able to get together, and they talk about their process of creating a single song, typically a song that you know or familiar with in some way, and it takes you into the production, it takes you into the songwriting, it takes you into... The parts and the 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 troubles and the tribulations and the and and then some of the the good things that came out of the song and things they weren't expecting and you get this it's like having a commentary track on a DVD except it's on a song and
0: Hmm.
1: and it it, you get to hear like isolated parts Uh, my favorite one uh, is by the hip hop group Clipping Uh, and they explain how they develop their sound through found sounds and how they use technology and integrate that with analog sounds to create these unique, um, rhythms and, and patterns. Uh, and that, that one, and then, uh, Solange Knowles, uh, has one where she explains, uh, the title track for of her record that, that came out, um, cranes in the sky. And it's just, <laughs> I already thought the song was pretty good. It yeah. a whole ne- another level of appreciation for for her music uh and solange knowles is one of those people who gets because she's the the sister of the queen bay she gets a little less Mm -hmm. attention than she deserves and it's just a remarkable that's a remarkable record but that podcast is so interesting so if you're process nerd like me uh and i've been able to use lots of episodes of it with my students um Mm. uh i i i created an assessment called uh uh, a blog post called uh, "Project Exploder," where they had to create like a commentary track for their projects at the end of a project, um, and and told them like, listen to the song "Exploder," and then do your best to recreate that vibe. Um, right. And it's super hard for them; they <laughs> they struggle with that with that with that reflection. But I'm still proud of it. I still think it's a good idea.
0: I love that idea. I can't wait to try that. Sort of a, a reflecting back and deconstructing their own learning process and, and uh, adding adding some of those outside facts and, and backstories behind their decisions. I think that's incredible. Dan, tell us about a YouTube channel that you enjoy. And this might be one that really rocks your classroom or one that you just find amusing personally.
1: Uh, well, it, in all honesty, I don't spend a lot of time on YouTube okay. uh, because you have to look at it. <laughs> and I need things that I can just listen to <laughs> because my eyeballs are usually consumed by 200 other things at the same time. Right. So I'm a huge fan of audio. But uh, I did find a huge amount of value uh, in Soul Pancakes Empathy Lab. Okay. They have just a great series of videos about empathy and developing empathy and uh, little experiments that they did uh, to show the power of empathy. And I really enjoyed those. Um, and I like all this, the content that Teachers Channel puts out. That, that's pretty great too. Um, they, they put out a lot of really high-quality stuff uh, that I appreciate. But, um, yeah, most of the time my eyeballs are consumed by, by uh, things that I'm trying to create, make, or whatever. So I have a lot of audio running all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Last question. Speaking of eyeballs, Dan, you're at the end of your day. You don't have any energy left for making something or building or planning. <laughs> <laughs> you, right? all, you've, all you've got left is just sitting on the couch. What are you watching on Netflix right now?
1: Oh, on Netflix right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, in the next week, finally sitting down and watching the the second season or third season now, is it? I've lost track of uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, okay. which is the most fun TV show. It's just ridiculously great. I'm a huge comic book nerd, okay. and I love everything they do with that one. Uh, over on Hulu, I tried to uh, I tried to watch the second season of Handmaid's Tale, but it got too real mm. <laughs> because it stopped seeming like it was uh, fiction. And started feeling like I was watching uh, a reality TV series oh, play no. out before my eyes. And so I had to like be like, I can't. I don't have it. So instead I flipped over to uh, Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan's The Strain, okay. which is this uh, kind of B-movie level uh, a vampire TV show that's been on for several seasons. And and the whole thing is now up on uh, Hulu. And I'm, I'm watching the last season of that. And it's it's mindless fun and it's not really fun it's super depressing but it's it's uh it it's like it scratches a particular type of itch that only guillermo de toro uh films and tv series shows yeah. From scratch so
0: those are great picks i've actually just started the handmaid's tale with my wife she usually has a really low tolerance for scary but uh, she read the book and so we've been enjoying that but you're right it's 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 pretty dark and it's, it's oh yeah intense. and uh yeah thanks for the warning about season two or whatever's ahead yeah
1: so, season one oh man i couldn't get enough i'd watch two or three at a time yeah. No, I'd watch like two at a time because then I was like, okay, I don't think I'm emotionally equipped to handle three episodes. <laughs> uh, but, but, but wow, I got to the end of, of episode one. And I was like, I – this uh, – nope, not, not in our political climate right now. Yeah. No, I'm good. Uh, when, uh, when things are a little kinder yeah. uh, in the world, then I, I can I can handle this. But uh, but right now, I, ooh, boy.
0: <laughs> Those are some great picks. I'll definitely pass off the Legends of Tomorrow pick to my two boys. It sounds like something they might inhale. Dan, this has been an absolute blast, man. You are, I'm just, just picking up your energy and your enthusiasm, your creativity, your hunger for learning. I can't wait to uh, take in more of your content. And like I said, definitely want to add your book to my summer reading list. What's the best way for listeners to follow you and get to know your stuff a little bit more?
1: So I'm all across the social media sphere. Uh, I'm at Wicked Decent. That's, one, that's uh, my, that. uh, my main root there. Born and bred. And uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Wicked Decent. Uh, Instagram at Wicked Decent. And then you can find me on uh, my website is danrider207.com. Uh, Maine, we proudly boast one area code. And that is the 207. So uh, there's that. And then you can find out about my book, uh, that I co-wrote with my wonderful collaborator and co-conspirator, Amy Berval, uh, Intentioned Critical Creativity in the Classroom. Our website for that is intentionthebook.online and you can find it right on Amazon. If you put in Dan Ryder and, and Intention on, uh, on your Amazon, it'll pop right up. And, uh, yeah, we're really, really proud of of the book, and it just celebrated its uh, one year anniversary of being in print. And uh, I'm off to ISTE here shortly to uh, to talk mm-hmm. all about it some more. And actually, uh, after we get off here uh, off recording uh, this podcast, I've got to go finish packing to head off to Minneapolis, where I'm going to be at Minnetonka Public Schools doing a doing a session on on the book uh, this week. So. It's uh, it's been really cool. It's been been good to get the ideas out there into the world.
0: Well, I'm a little jealous of your uh, of your travels, particularly ISTI. I was in San Antonio for that last year, and just a fantastic uh, conference. Uh, best of luck as you head off to Minnesota, and uh, I think ISTI this year is in Philly. Is that right? Uh, it's in Chicago. Oh, Chicago. That's right, Chicago. The, yeah, the
1: hot and windy city. Yeah, I haven't been since it was in Philly, so I, it's been a couple of years right. for me. So this is a uh, This will be exciting. It'll be good. I'll be – and for people listening that that might hear this in time, uh, uh, I'm going to be doing sessions uh, the Monday of ISTE in the Google Playground. I'll be talking about the book and uh, doing a bunch of other things. And I'm also going to be over at the Pie Top uh, booth uh, on Monday talking about uh, more meaningful making.
0: That's awesome, Dan. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And uh, best, as I said, best of luck uh, at those engagements and have a wonderful summer. Hey,
1: thanks, Tim. I appreciate being
0: on. All right, take care, Dan. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Teachers on Fire, where teachers come to share, learn, and be inspired. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at Teachers on Fire. I'm your host, Tim Kavy, saying goodbye for now, and we'll catch you next time, right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast.